0: Hey OC, what's up? Not much. Good to be here. You ready to start the podcast? Yep, ready to go. Well, if you're ready to go, you gotta say the magic words. Alright. Hit it! You're listening to the Wilkes-Barre Scranton Penguins Podcast, your number one destination to break the ice with your favorite player. And now, without further ado, your host of the Penguins Podcast, Nick Hart. Ladies and gentlemen, yes, that is right. We are back with another episode of your Wilkes-Barre and Penguins podcast. Thank you for joining us, ladies and gentlemen. we got a great show in store for you. Thanks to those of you that would have tuned in for our first episode with Matt Barkowski. You can go back and find old episodes of the Penguins podcast on iTunes and uh, the team's SoundCloud page, Apple Podcasts, what have you. But if you're just tuned in for this episode, we got a great guest for you here today. Recently reassigned from Pittsburgh, and I knew, okay, i got to lasso this guy, put the headset on him, and chat with him right away. It's Drew O'Connor. Drew, thanks so much for taking some time out of your day to talk to me, buddy. Really appreciate it. Absolutely, yeah. happy to, Happy to be here. Glad to hear that you're happy to be here, and it seems like you show up here in town, and they're rolling out the red carpet right out of the gate because chef steve has the taco bar ready after practice (laughs) drew o'connor's here for one day and we're getting tacos after practice that had to be just you know music to your ears or a party on your taste buds come on man get the taco bar
1: yeah taco tuesday came back on a good day uh yeah chef steve's always always treating us so yeah it was nice to nice to have that nice meal
0: did you get all the fixings throw everything on there
1: uh I did get most of the fixings, no guac which was uh I think I got there a little late so we were out of guac Ooh. but but Steve did whip up you know cut up some avocados for us so it wasn't quite the guac but it was it was it was right there.
0: So he still hooked you up with, oh, with yeah. some some green. Yeah, Chef Steve you can always count on him. You can always <laughs> bank on Chef Steve uh doing you right. Um, That is a shame. I'm sorry about the guacamole. I got out there, I guess, before a few of the players because I wanted to make sure I ate before we recorded the podcast. I did not take a bunch of guacamole, so I am not the the culprit. People
1: are pointing the finger at you.
0: What? (laughs) Erroneous. Erroneous. (laughs) But I will say this, okay, because Chef Steve, I don't know where he's getting his jalapenos. He must have picked them fresh off the vine because I normally like a little bit of spice. Too spicy? Oh, my goodness, Drew. Like, my lips are still tingling. It's (laughs) that kind of spicy today. Uh Maybe I just bit off more than I can chew and took too many jalapenos. Yeah, I
1: steered clear, so I I guess I made the right choice.
0: I like to think of myself as a guy who can handle his spices. Today, Hmm. no. So we'll see how I do throughout the rest of the podcast. (laughs) I'm on the injured list with some tingly lips and maybe some sweat beads going down my head. through. But that might make this just one of the spiciest episodes of the Penguins podcast that we've had to date. <laughs> so, yeah, let's jump into this uh, straight away, Drew, because I have to talk to you about the way this season started for you. Yes, you're a first-year pro. Last year, I guess it was still technically this calendar year, but when everything started up in, in January, what have you, go through time as a rookie you're in Pittsburgh you're in Wilkes-Barre Scranton you're in Pittsburgh you're in Wilkes-Barre Scranton end up doing great here with Wilkes-Barre Scranton you get an off-season, and then you come out of the gate firing on all cylinders in Pittsburgh you're scoring a, a bunch of goals in the preseason you end up with your first NHL goal whenever the regular season kicks off here but what in the world were you doing in the offseason get off to a start like that were you eating your Wheaties did you save a bunch of money on your car insurance by switching to Geico what was the the recipe for success pal
1: yeah yeah i mean i I definitely wanted to have a good summer um you know, I thought last year was was a good learning experience, but I think there were some things I definitely wanted to work on so um I definitely dedicated myself this summer um to kind of focus on on some of those areas um you know changed a little bit of the diet um and just kind of made sure i was I was doing everything right and and I wanted to come into camp in the best shape possible and you know make an impact and and kind of make it a tough decision on them and and kind of force their hand to keep me around so you know, I think, I think I kind of did some of that stuff over the summer that I wanted to, and, and fortunately had a pretty good camp.
0: You said you wanted to make it a tough decision for them. I think it was a pretty easy decision for them to keep you around with the way the training camp and the preseason went overall. When you talk about uh, changing your diet, uh, what what exactly does that entail? And is that something you just took upon yourself, or is that something you kind of picked up uh, during your first year pro?
1: Um, so kind of a mix. So I, I definitely picked up a lot of things my first year. Um, with uh, you know, the training staff here, the training staff in Pittsburgh. Um, you know, they're they're big on all that stuff. And then over the summer I worked with uh Ben Prentice in uh, Connecticut who you know, I trained with him, um and he was big on kind of the diet, switching things up, so ended up cutting cutting gluten and dairy out for the summer and just kind of, you know, really focused on the timing of meals, specifically like around training times and, and what to eat before and after to kind of make sure I'm Maximizing that those windows, and I think that it was a big help. Um, you know, I felt more energized throughout the summer, and kind of focusing on everything from sleep, diet, and you know, getting all that stuff worked out, and I think it, it helped me for sure.
0: I think sleep is one of those things I didn't realize how valuable it was until I was talking to a bunch of our trainers in the time that I've been here. They're always putting so much emphasis on having a, a routine sleep cycle, or making sure you're having good sleep habits or being in a good sleep environment they're even telling me stuff like you know the room should be at x temperature to get the most fulfilling night's sleep so it's Mm -hmm. funny you bring that up that's something i think people just overlook everyone always talks about yeah you want to be working out you want to be well trained you got to have a good diet sleep i think is overlooked and i mean i was guilty of that for a long time too
1: Mm -hmm. yeah yeah it's definitely important and it's it's definitely a a little bit easier in the off season to get into kind of that routine um you know i think in season it's it's definitely a challenge for a lot of guys because the way the schedule is you know those late games you're kind of wired after the game and it's tough to fall asleep so it definitely is a challenge to kind of get get those get enough hours in but it's something that you know continue to focus on and continue to try and improve at definitely
0: you talked about learning a lot of lessons in your, your first year pro, which was spent split between Pittsburgh and here in Wilkes-Barre-Scranton. And I know here in Wilkes-Barre-Scranton, you get to work a lot with not only head coach JD Forrest, assistant coach Kevin Porter, but the development staff. I had the opportunity to talk to Tom Kostopoulos a little bit while you were tearing up training camp in Pittsburgh this year. And he was, you know, just came back with glowing reviews of all the things you changed in the off season and obviously how it was paying off in uh, the preseason. But what was it like uh, working with Tom Kostopoulos? He's obviously a legend in this area. So what were those talks like? Was that the first time you kind of had a development coach, someone to kind of really talk to and and break stuff down with, like you wouldn't have had that in college?
1: Or did you? Um, Yeah, I mean, I think that's one of the great things about being in this organization is there's so many, you know, great people around, um, so many great people to learn from. Um, So yeah, whether it be TK, you know, younger as well, um, both of them have been you know, great people to talk to and kind of work on the fine details of my game, things like that. But they've been super encouraging, so they've been they've been unbelievable to work with. Yeah. So maybe you can run us
0: through here. I just kind of thought of this on the fly. The chain of command in the Penguins' uh, development hierarchy, if you will, because I think, you know, I'll do interviews during the season for broadcasts and things like that. Oh, this is the this development coach, this development coach. You have uh, Tom Kostopoulos, Trevor Daly in the fold and then the goaltending development coaches, Kane TC, who's here a lot, and then Scott Young, who is the director of player development. He's sort of the, at the top of the umbrella, I guess is the the term I'm looking for. How often do you talk to these guys? How often do you go through stuff with them? How does it really work in sort of the, the chain of how guys will, will interact with you?
1: Right, yeah, so I think... I think definitely there's more interaction when you're, when you're here in Wilkes. Okay, um, makes sense. You know, I think, yeah, they, they really want to help guys here get to that next level. So, I mean, all three of them obviously are, all three of those guys uh, had great careers and they're incredible guys to learn from. Um, same with, you know, the coaching staff here. So I think whoever you're talking to, you know, you know you can trust them and, you know, they only want the best for us. So it's, it's definitely great to, to be able to interact with them a lot whenever you can and, and kind of pick up whatever you can.
0: Are there times where I know they'll travel and kind of rotate through. Trevor Daly will be here for a week. Tom Kostopoulos will be here for a week. Scott Young will then be here the next week, and so on and so forth. The cycle continues um, with some gaps in between. Will there be a time where maybe TK's in town, and you guys get some time to, to talk, go over game tape, and then Younger might give you a call or something like that, or is it only the guys who will be in Wilkes?
1: Yeah, I think I think you hear from them um, throughout the year, whether they're here or not. Um, okay. Okay. Yeah, I mean, they, they definitely are great about, you know, reaching out um, and stuff like that, and they're always available whenever you want to reach out to them. Um, you know, they always make time. So, yeah, definitely when, when they're here, you try and take advantage of it, whether it be, like, through film or just, just kind of talking to them. Yeah, they're always, they're always great to work with.
0: No, I don't want to get too in the weeds here, and you don't have to share if you don't want to, but was there a time where you were like, hey, I want to reach out to TK? You took the onus upon yourself, or I want to reach out to Younger, and they were there for you to to give you some guidance?
1: Yeah, for sure. I think... I think last year, um, especially early on during camp, things like that. Um, you know, Younger was kind of the guy that brought me in originally. He was the first one I talked to, so um, I kind of built a trust with him. So talking with him with kind of things I had to, you know, ask about was was super helpful. I mean, that that first kind of camp was was tough because it's kind of an introduction to everything. Um, very brief camp last year, so yeah, no kidding. Yeah, so kind of got thrown into it right away. So talking with him was was helpful, and then kind of again this year um, throughout camp, you know, he was around. So I think, you know, just asking him what I can work on, what I need to do better, things like that, to, to kind of stick around up there was, was helpful as well.
0: Or you're able to make the team out of camp this year. You're back here with wilkes barre Grant We're delighted to see you again. It seems like you have, you have a great attitude. First thing in the morning, I saw a big smile on your face. But the, how should I put it? Environment in the locker room is a little bit different here than it is in Pittsburgh. Last season, we had a ton of Canadian and American guys back in the Wilkes-Barre-Scranton locker room. I think the only Europeans may have been Yanni Droz and Big Z for the short time that he was here. Well, now this year, it's a Finnish invasion. <laughs> I'm not sure if your brief time back in the locker room before practice today clued you in. There's Finns all over the place, oh, buddy. Yeah. Yeah, there is. They're everywhere. you got Philip Lindbergh, Kasper Bjorkvist, Valtteri Pustinen, Yuso Ricola sent down uh, with you earlier this week as well, Nicholas Almari mm-hmm. to round out five Finns on the lot. same run. Oh. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. You're, you're, you're telling me. Yeah. So maybe this will help you acclimate to all the Finnish guys back in the locker room back there. We have a segment on the podcast that we introduced last episode that we're bringing back again okay. for this episode. All right, Drew, this is a segment that we're calling Suomi Says. Drew, what I have Look done is, is I have gone to Kasper Björkvist as sort of our liaison between uh, our, our two cultures. Mm-hmm. And I've asked for him for Finnish expressions, sayings, Finnish idioms, that don't necessarily have a direct one-for-one translation into English. So we have phrases, you know, like "the grass is always green" or something like that. This is a Finnish expression that, when you translate it into English, it gets a little bit weird. Okay. For fans who may have missed our first episode, yourself included, last time Casper Björkqvist introduced us to buttermilk legs, <laughs> and what buttermilk legs is, we come to find out, is that Buildup of lactic acid, that burning feeling in your legs whenever you're you're working out. You know, you're uh-huh. working with a ton of weight. You have buttermilk legs. Okay. But that yeah, sounds weird. Uh, I've yeah. heard
1: that before. Yeah. Well, why would you? Why would you have ever heard that <laughs> yeah. before?
0: You don't speak Finnish. <laughs> so we're back again with another installment of Swami Says with Casper Björquist, and the translation that we have gotten for this expression is "upper grandma." <laughs> what I would like you to do is try and decipher what upper grandma actually means in English. What message is that trying to convey? Now, you don't need your, right, your first answer right away. I've been given an example sentence, but I'm not going to use it in a sentence yet. I want to see how you kind of work through this first. Okay. See where you go, and then I'll give you the sentence, and then you can sort of adjust on the fly or stick with your initial gut feeling. But today's expression is upper grandma.
1: Upper grandma. I mean, I have no idea what Casper's thinking when he says that. I mean, I don't know. Finnish people say weird stuff, I guess, sometimes. I'm surprised they didn't pick anything up, you know, listening to them in the locker room. That's all you hear is Finnish people talking back and forth. Jawing back and yeah. forth
0: all the time. Like, you might just pick up some Finnish by osmosis, at, however long you're down here. Um, it's flying back and forth all the time. So this is something in Finnish, but then when you translate it to English, it's upper grandma, more or less.
1: Yeah, I mean, the first thing that came to mind was just something like, I don't know, like sh- like shooting the puck like top shelf, like upper grandma. I don't know if that's where he was going with that, but I, I mean, I'm struggling to think what else upper grandma could mean. Is it hockey related? Well, would you like the sentence? I would like the sentence.
0: Okay, the sentence, the example sentence that was given to me was, Pusty likes to go upper grandma.
1: I mean, that makes me think that it's kind of what I said earlier. But You're sticking
0: with your initial yeah, gut feeling. I am. Of That's like shooting top shelf. Yeah. You think it's hockey related. I think so. Well, I should put the caveat in here that Casper Bjorkvist could be pulling like the ultimate troll of all time and just be giving us fake expressions. Uh, uh, I've tr- i put a lot of trust in him could for right. this segment yeah. this season. But with the sentence, Pusty likes to go upper grandma. <laughs> You are bang on my there friend. A top shelf shot. Upper <laughs> grandma. Wow. Top shelf was the exact example he used. Okay. So I am fascinated that you were able to not only, you know, guess close to being right but use the exact phrase uh-huh. that he did. Top shelf. Yeah. Upper grandma. I kinda like that. I might start using that now. Uh, a little upper grandma. Yeah, yeah. You're you're gonna you're gonna be up in Pittsburgh and say Upper Grandma, and someone's <laughs> gonna be like, What in the world is this guy talking about? I yeah, don't
1: of any of the Finns there to back me up. <laughs> no, exactly.
0: You have no yeah. support whatsoever, uh-huh. uh, as it stands right now, because there's no yeah. other Finnish guys up there,
1: right? I don't think so. I don't think so. I, I think Rico uh, would have well, been the only no, one. Um, sorry, uh yeah, is Finnish. Oh, he'd be your savior. Yeah, Good yeah, call. There we go. Good call. And then uh yeah, I think he's it with with you
0: so down here, yeah. Yeah. Once again We're putting a lot of trust in Kasper Bjorkvist to Uh actually give us things that actually make sense. He could Uh be completely pulling one over on us here (laughs) on the Penguins podcast. But our second episode of Suomi Says, we have upper grandma, (laughs) and Drew O'Connor nails it. Bullseye. There we go. As far as I'm concerned, the scoring here, we are two for two on Suomi Says. Uh Matt Bartkowski was... Close enough on buttermilk legs that we gave it to him. (laughs) Uh, But you were as close as you could possibly get. So congratulations. I don't have a prize for you, but good work. Yeah, I appreciate that. Thumbs up's all I need. (laughs) (laughs) I'll give you two thumbs up, buddy. Um, Talking a little bit more about uh, your career and your journey to get here. Mm -hmm. I know when you were signed as an undrafted free agent after two years at Dartmouth, everyone's looking at your, your vitals. Okay, he's a big guy. He scores a lot of goals. But then the story started to come out that, in like your draft year, things like that, you were not a big guy, that you had this uh, amazing growth spurt, something like from uh, 5'8 to 6'3 in the span of like three or four years or something like that. Does that sound about right? I'm sort of just throwing numbers out there. Yeah,
1: no, that's about right. Um, I think by the time I graduated high school, I was maybe 5'9, 5'10 and just kind of kept growing uh, for the next few years, um, fortunately. I remember – I forget when it was, maybe my junior year of high school, you know, I went in, I had the shoulder injury maybe, and I went in and it was probably like five, six at the time and went into the doctor's office and they were like, uh, looking at it and the x-ray and they were like, "Oh, your growth plates are wide open. So you could, you still have some room for growth. So I took that as a good sign. and then,
0: Some room for growth. Yeah. And
1: then I was, I mean, I didn't think I was going to grow that much, but it kept going and it it worked out, I guess.
0: Yeah, it's worked out tremendously, obviously, for your career, uh, what you've been able to do since turning pro, led wilkes barre and rookies and goals last season. We've already talked at length about your great start to this season up in Pittsburgh. Mm-hmm. Um, but my question would be, how awkward was that kind of, going through such a rapid growth spurt? Because sometimes when I'm hearing about prospects in their draft years or something like that, maybe they grow early. They talk about them being awkward. They haven't grown into their body yet. Did you have to go through that adjustment or were you just kind of smooth sailing as you just continued to ascend up the measurements?
1: No, there was there was an adjustment period. Um I think maybe like my last or my first first year and second year U18 and then my year of junior hockey before going to college. I think I was still kind of growing into it, still kind of learning, you know, still kind of growing every day. So it was there was definitely like that awkward phase I think where I was a little uncoordinated and <laughs> okay. trying to Yeah there were definitely some some uh some rough patches I think but um I think eventually I was able to kind of figure it out and kind of figure out how to use my body in the right way and and kind of use it to my advantage. Did you have like those Bambi legs when you talk about being like uncoordinated
0: <laughs> like suddenly these levers are so much longer than I'm used to them being?
1: Uh-huh. Yeah, I did a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> I mean <laughs> Yeah, my legs grew and uh yeah, I tried to <laughs> couldn't keep up with them I
0: guess. But well, you figured it out mm-hmm. clearly. Let's rewind back the clock before even this this giant growth spurt. Kid from New Jersey, how'd you get into hockey?
1: I don't know. My dad was always a big fan of hockey. Um, you know, he played a bit growing up. Um, nothing like super organized or anything, but he was always he always loved hockey. So he got yeah. me and my brother into it early on, and I think that the area I grew up. I mean, I think New Jersey's kind of getting more and more hockey players now it's becoming a, a bigger area for hockey um you know the area i was in there was a lot of good players um so had some good teams growing up um you know I have some great memories playing for for uh, with a lot of good players yeah
0: when you talk about other good players being in your area around the time that you're growing up are you like the uh, i guess for lack of a better term best of the bunch like a guy that got to the nhl are there other guys in that group that you grew up with that have played high levels of hockey
1: yeah there's there's a bunch i mean i think um you know there's a lot of guys that that have gone on to have great college careers um uh-huh. you know a lot of those guys playing playing pro hockey at some level now so yeah there's there's a lot of players from from around where i was from that are that are still playing anyone you've run into like you had to play against whether it's in college or pro so far um a bunch in college Um, I'm trying to think pro if i've seen any but i'm sure i have i'm just blanking at the yeah. moment but well we you
0: know. kind of had like that weird shortened schedule last year where Wilkes-Barre Scram was only playing four teams so right. if they weren't on any of those four teams I feel like there's a hard chance they probably yeah. didn't <laughs> yeah, yeah
1: exactly yeah
0: so you end up going to Dartmouth
1: mm-hmm.
0: Dartmouth I feel like is a school that doesn't get talked about enough and maybe we should have phoned Ben Lovejoy to get him on the podcast here because he's happy to talk your ear off about Dartmouth. Uh-huh. But why don't you give us sort of the rundown of, of what it was like, one, playing at Dartmouth, but two, going to school at Dartmouth.
1: Yeah, it was an unbelievable place. Um, you know, I lo- actually Lovejoy was a volunteer assistant my uh, my sophomore year there, so he, he was able to help us out a bit. Yeah, he was great to work with. But, you know, the coaches there were awesome. I mean, it was an awesome place to play hockey. Um, the rink's great, um, you know. Um, and just going to school there was, was super fun. Um, it was a, it was a great place. Um, you know, obviously a really good school, but I think kind of socially as well, it's, it's a really fun place to be. Um, you know, I, I love my time there, so I can't say enough good things about, about Dartmouth. What's the campus like? It's good. It's small. Um, but you know, it's, it's got that kind of small campus feel where everyone's kind of connected and, you know, everyone, especially like sports wise, you know, everyone kind of supports each other, goes, goes to games, things like that. So yeah, it was awesome.
0: When you say like everyone supports each other in the other sports, mm-hmm. are you saying like basketball players are coming to watch hockey games or volleyball players are coming to watch hockey games and hockey players are going to watch the water polo team or something <laughs> like that? Or are you just supporting each other
1: in like the library asking how the last weekend <laughs> went? Uh, a little of both. I mean I think I think when we can we try and, you know, go to go to some different sports and, and cheer people on. Um, you know, it's tough with with the schedules as busy as they are to kinda get to a lot of stuff. But, Naturally. Yeah, right. So but I think it has that—it has that feel that we're kind of like, you know, one big group. I sort of think that's—that's that's how the campus felt.
0: Nice, nice. Did you have a favorite uh, event or other sport that you like to go see? Or heck, maybe this might not even have to do with Dartmouth. Is there like, if you couldn't be a hockey player, what game do you love the most? Kind of question.
1: Uh, I don't know. I played—I played soccer a bit growing up. Uh-huh. Um, so I'm a big soccer fan. I like going to—I like going to those games uh, in the fall. Um, Did you guys you know, have a good team? They were they yeah they they have uh, they have a good team. I don't they, know anything about college soccer. So. Yeah no they're they're good. Um, I don't know how they are. They haven't been following too close. But um, yeah uh, f- some football games. My girlfriend actually is uh, does track so went to some of those those track meets which I actually kind of enjoy going to. Um, just watch some of the sprints. <laughs> they're they're pretty good athletes so it's it's fun to watch that. Um, so yeah yeah a lot of a lot of uh, different events I went to.
0: I have the tremendously hot take, and I have gotten into arguments with this, uh, with people in the office, that the Summer Olympics, the event I care about the least is the, the sprinting. Mm-hmm. And I think, I will say, I think it's because it doesn't translate to television for me. Yeah. I think if you could actually sit there and watch an Olympic track meet and see truly how fast these individuals are moving, mm-hmm. you would be floored. Right. Like, you might have to just sit in the stands hours after the event is ended because you're so awestruck at how fast everyone is. <laughs> doesn't translate to television for me. No,
1: it doesn't do it for you, huh?
0: I can't get invested. Yeah. Now, there are plenty of other Summer Olympics events, like gymnastics. Like, every year, I'm I'm glued. Uh-huh. Glued. And the person who will finish, like, dead last, or they'll go through, like, a, I don't know, uh you know, balance beam routine or something like that. Even, like, floor exercise. And they'll be like... Ooh, they really want to have that one back, and right. I was like, "That was amazing!" Yeah, what are you yeah. talking about? They finished last, and I was like, "I could never do that in my entire right. life." That translates to TV to me better than sprinting. But uh-huh. it sounds like your girlfriend's a—what's she a speedster? is uh, yeah, she, she in the field events?
1: Uh, she does a little bit of both. So she does, um, she does a little bit of sprinting, some jumps. Um, so yeah, she kind of, she kind of does it all. But
0: she might be listening, so you can pump her tires as much yeah, as you no, want. Yeah, no,
1: she's she's fast. Uh, <laughs> I raced her a couple times. She—I won't say she smokes me, but it's you know. She's fast.
0: Oh, that definitely means she smokes you. It. <laughs> it's not even close. Yeah. It's a. It's she pulls up at the end. <laughs> All right, we have the power of the internet here, Drew. So we can look at how the Dartmouth soccer team is doing this year. Okay. Men's soccer. Never mind. We won't give you the update <laughs> on Dartmouth a, men's soccer. They let's, a tough uh, season. Yeah. Let's let's look at the women's team. Yeah. There we go. Um. Five hundred okay. seven seven and one. Right, we'll you can catch that. him on ESPN Plus. To those of you who uh, have already subscribed to ESPN Plus to get your hockey fix this year, Dartmouth Let's women's soccer get, look at hot in playoffs. That's all it takes. Hey, they're hot right now. They just uh, trounced Merrimack two nil, and then took down Cornell in Ivy League play nice. two to one. Are the Ivy League rivalries real, or is that just something someone made up because they're like these historic schools?
1: I think it probably depends on the sport and. Yeah, I think it's different with every—I mean, I think—
0: Let's use your experience with hockey. Yeah,
1: hockey-wise, I mean, they're always they're always big games when you're playing another Ivy because they keep track of it as, like, a separate standings, and there's the Ivy League trophy at the end of the season for, you know, whoever has the best record within the Ivy League. So you get excited for those games. Um, I wouldn't say we have, like, a huge rivalry against anyone. Um, I mean, maybe Princeton doesn't like us a little bit because we have our tennis ball game against them where after our first goal everyone— Everyone in the stands chucks tennis balls on the ice. Wait, I've never heard home. of this. Yeah, this is a blind
0: spot for me. What are you talking cool. about?
1: So, yeah, every I, I forget the backstory. I think it's had something to do with way back a Princeton fan threw a tennis ball on the ice when we were visiting them. And then it just kind of happened. It became a tradition. So our Princeton game is awesome because the building's packed. And... Everyone brings tennis balls. We score our first goal. They throw them on the ice. It's it's a ton of fun. It's a lot of fun uh, to play in that game.
0: Like it's a hat trick or a teddy bear toss. Just everyone's whipping tennis yeah. balls. Yeah, they got to be bouncing all over the oh, place. Impossible
1: are. to clean up. Yeah, it takes a little while. <laughs> oh, I don't my. think they like coming to our rink.
0: <laughs> I would not like it either, especially yeah. like. For you guys, it's all a big celebration for them. Uh Like, can we please pick up the tennis balls? They're still bouncing all – they probably find their way into their bench. Yeah,
1: exactly. You know
0: what that reminds me of? It reminds me of when Florida first started doing uh, the rat trick, when they would throw the rubber rats on the ice. Uh And, like – goalies were getting pelted with yeah. it. They're just filling up the Ice net. I should be littered with them. Yeah. Exactly. And, like, other teams would just be like, you got to be kidding me. Like, after mm-hmm. so long, it's like, let's go. Let's move on from the rats. Right. And that's what made it so great to me. is because <laughs> it would upset the other teams so much. Exactly. And Princeton, year after year after year, they're going to come into Dartmouth and have to deal with tennis balls ricocheting all <laughs> over the place. That's right.
1: Yeah. That's awesome. I'd never heard of that yeah, before. Yeah, it's a cool tradition.
0: That's yeah. an incredible tradition. Mm-hmm. That is not talked about enough. Maybe no. we can bring some awareness Tennis ball throwing. Do they have a name yeah. for it? Just the tennis ball game.
1: I think that's it. Yeah, I yeah. don't know if there's a name. Just the Princeton game. Everyone knows to bring their tennis balls. Everyone knows. It's yeah. an
0: unspoken. Everyone on campus right. is like, let's go. Let's yeah. get a big tube of what's a Wilson, tennis ball brand? Wilson. Big, yeah. big tub of Wilsons oh, and yeah. just fire them off. <laughs> that's <laughs> that's incredible. Yeah. Oh, that's amazing. Well, we've had. Plenty of hockey talk already at this point. I mean, I asked you about playing in Pittsburgh, what you've learned here, the development staff. Heck, even our Suomi Says segment ended up being hockey related. So let's shift away from hockey a little bit here, Drew. This is another recurring segment that we do on the Penguins podcast where I have the previous episode's guest leave a blind question for the next episode's guest. They do not know who they are asking it to, but it could be about Anything in the world. It's a completely wide open uh potpourri category question. Mm-hmm. So, with that in mind, Drew, are you ready for me to pop the question? I guess so, yeah. Our last episode's guest wants to know what is your favorite Adam Sandler movie?
1: Oh, so I actually, funny story that you say that because I love funny stories. On a, that's actually not that funny. But I shouldn't have said that. <laughs> I, I hyped it up, <laughs> too, much. It up too much You hyped it up to Yeah. Um, but funny that you say that because on the plane a couple days ago, coming back from uh, Washington, a bunch of guys were giving me crap that I hadn't seen Big Daddy before. What? Yeah. So I guess it's like a top three Adam Sandler movie is what they were saying. So I I was instructed I had to go watch it. So I still got to do that. But Oh, so you did? <laughs> I, I haven't watched it yet. But I thought the story was going to be you have seen Big Daddy no, now. No, not yet. No. So I I still have to watch it. But ha- Adam Sandler movie, I uh, – I guess I'll just go Happy Gilmore. I mean, it's it's a classic. Yeah, you can't it's beat it. Unbelievable. It
0: yeah. you cannot beat it. That is a movie that I don't care how many times I've seen it, and it is probably nearing the hundreds. Uh-huh. I will stop everything I'm doing when it's on like TBS on the weekends. Mm-hmm. Sometimes I'll just be like, you know how you'll spend hours scrolling through Amazon or Netflix trying oh, yeah. to decide I can what never to watch. Check anything? Yeah. After yeah. a certain point, it's just like, well. I know Happy Gilmore's on here, and I know it's an only an 80-minute run time. Like, bang, I'll just throw this you know on. what you're going to get. And yeah. I'm happy as a clam. Uh. I'm tickled pink every <laughs> single time. Everyone in the office will reference Happy Gilmore almost on, like, a, a daily basis, something in there. Right. Big Daddy, but that's in there, too. We're yeah, constantly referencing
1: well, Big Daddy, Scuba I, Steve. Yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't know Scuba Steve. I gotta go. I go gotta together go like watch it. lamb and Tuna Fish. Yeah, yeah. See, I don't know, I don't know what. Yeah, that I'm is, speaking but, Greek to you right yeah, now. I'm exactly. speaking Finnish. So, I mean, I heard it's a must-watch. So, I'll have to
0: watch it. It's it's quality. I'm not mm-hmm. sure if I'm willing to go as far as top three, mm-hmm. but it is one of the stronger installments in the Adam Sandler pantheon. Okay. Do you have a top three from what you've seen? Um, obviously happy gilmore we just that's a given
1: yeah um i mean billy madison i feel like that's automatic yeah i mean those two you can just watch forever um on loop third uh i don't know
0: maybe Waterboy. so i guess this is where when we say top three adam sandler movies everyone's just taking happy gilmore and billy madison right it's really a question that of what is the other is, one.
1: There's there's a few that For
0: some it might be Big yeah. Daddy. You bring up Waterboard.
1: Honestly, one that's not like a classic Adam Sandler, but a recent one, Uncut Gems, I really liked. I mean it's it's kind of a it's kind of a different Adam Sandler style, but I, I really enjoyed that movie actually. That is an out of left field pick yeah. that I can totally respect. Yeah. Because
0: it is not the goofy Adam Sandler like he even said, I'm going to try and win an Oscar. Mm -hmm. I'm trying to win an Academy Award, and if you do not give it to me, I'm just going to keep making even worse terrible movies. (laughs) I'm going to intentionally tank my movies, Uh make them even more stupid and idiotic if I don't get an Oscar. (laughs) He didn't get an Oscar for Uncut Gems. So
1: I guess we'll see what he's got coming. coming Oh, he probably
0: has some dastardly ideas (laughs) coming down the pipeline. But, Uh I mean, Uncut Gems, if you haven't seen it... I guess we have to put the parental advisory sticker on it, Mm -hmm. but it is like he gives a wall-to-wall awesome performance. And he's on screen for like 99% of the movie. movie. I didn't even think of that
1: until right now. There are very few scenes, if any, where Adam Sandler is not on screen. Yeah, yeah, that's right. He's the the star. And it is a good film. So I I enjoyed that. But, yeah, it's – I guess kind of a weird answer when you ask top 3 Adam Salem movies. It's not it's not one you would think of. No, but. that's
0: why I like that as an answer yeah. though, because it is out of left field and it is still a good movie. It's mm-hmm. not like you just picked a random movie just to be try to be the cool kid. Like, <laughs> oh, I want this instead. Like it's a legit it's a legit movie. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. We're going to have to try and speak in tongues right now so as not to spoil uncut gems for those who haven't seen it because mm-hmm. it is worth a watch. Right. What did you think of the ending? Uh, people who have seen will know what we're talking about people who haven't we're going to try and walk the
1: tightrope I mean I don't know I, I don't know if I liked it or not it wasn't like what I hoped for mm-hmm. but I thought it was an interesting ending here's what I'll
0: say I loved the ending to Uncut yeah, because that whole movie I'm watching the story how it's going how Adam Sandler is behaving how he's conducting himself and then we're in that, that final scene huge climax of the movie mhm and i'm like they are really going to they're going to make a decision that renders the first 2 hours of this movie completely useless <laughs> and then the way the movie ended i was like that's the only way that story can end yeah it's the only way that story can end so i went from well this is going to be an unsatisfying ending to wow i am shocked they actually did the thing I didn't think they were going to do. And uh-huh. it, that was a satisfying conclusion to the story to me. Yeah. But there's yeah, a lot I mean, of people. You talked in, me into it. Yeah, there's a lot of people in your camp, though, that were just like, I do not see that coming. I don't, that like is not what I wanted to happen. Uh-huh.
1: Well, it's I just like it's it. like it's so happy and then it's so sad all, all, all at the same time. I wonder
0: know? how compelling this actually is to our listeners right now. Those who haven't <laughs> that, seen the movie no idea, without, but, without yeah. giving any details <laughs> of the movie, I'm sure people who have actually seen Uncut uh, Gems I, know exactly what we're talking about. This is probably incredibly uncompelling I think they're audio. they're
1: going to want to go watch it now.
0: They're definitely going to want to go watch it. Yeah. So Uncut Gems, I guess, is a uh, an early nod to Penn's Picks from Drew O'Connor. But uh, yeah. I, I will mention this. You said, bang. We're coming from Washington on the plane. Guys like to break out iPads or phones, watch movies, TV shows. Now we're back on the bus rides uh, here in the American Hockey League. I, for one, I've talked in the past, I am loving being back on the road. I never thought I'd miss the long bus rides. I never thought Uh I'd miss getting to the hotel in Hartford at 2 in the morning and groggily going up (laughs) to the room. But it's great. I absolutely love being back on the road here. Um, But what's your preferred method to pass the time whether you're on a quick plane flight from wash to pit or you're on a bus ride here in the american league
1: yeah um i don't know i haven't gotten into the cards but because um, the card games are a big deal they are they're yeah. a loud deal too yeah yes that's <laughs> that's true so i don't know maybe maybe eventually i'll break into one of those but um i don't know I, i'm a big napper a lot of the time especially if it's like a, an afternoon I'll, I'll take a nap um and then yeah they're just kind of talking, or you know bring some books once in a while uh podcasts, just anything nothing nothing specific, I guess you're a podcast guy, yeah, what are bit. you listening yeah. to when uh, you're not listening
0: to the wilkes Grant and Penguins podcast?
1: Well, that's all I listen to <laughs> don't you dare <laughs> <laughs> um I don't know i like I like a few different things um, listen to Joe rogan a little bit um you know bill Burr as has a decent podcast, I think I give that a listen once in a while um and, yeah, I mean, kind of try and find some different stuff. Um, I get into, like, the crime podcasts once in a while. Oh, um, like true crime. Yeah, like if I have a long car ride, I'll try and, like, find something that has, like, a few episodes that I can kind of, you know, sick my teeth into, I guess. Oh, um, yeah. So kind of just switch it up with with things like that, yeah.
0: What's the latest uh, true crime story that, like,
1: just completely gripped you? So I listened to this, uh, I don't know if you've heard of it, the Dr. Death Um I did hear about this. Yeah, I heard about it. I think there's three seasons. The first one is the craziest. Um, I think I listened to parts of the second and third, but yeah, it's like this crazy surgeon guy who just had no medical background that was just performing these surgeries and killing people. (laughs) Yeah, because he didn't know what the heck he was doing. Yeah, exactly. It's a crazy story. I don't know. I mean, I don't know how it went on for so long, but it's it's an interesting listen.
0: That's an interesting recommendation. Yeah. Um, I will have to put that one on my list because I always love a good true crime documentary. Mm -hmm. Um, Those ones that come out on Netflix, Hulu, Amazon, what have you. I'll just get sucked in and spend hours upon hours on end on true crime, how they get away with it. How did they bungle the investigation? Exactly. Those always get me every single time. Yeah. Yeah. They're thrilling. And Bill Burr, he'll be coming to the arena soon. Oh, really? Yeah. So, well, I guess not soon. It's a couple months away, but okay. that might be a uh, one to keep tabs on yeah, moving forward. I'll check that
1: out. He's he's I'm, hilarious. I'm I love watching. Sh- it, I'm sure so. there's going
0: to be more than a handful of boys that are trying to to lock down tickets to yeah, see Bill Burr. Yeah, for sure. He's a huge hockey fan too.
1: Yeah, yeah. I hear him talking about it sometimes. Big Bruins fan. Yeah. So. <laughs> it's a shame
0: he's a Bruins fan
1: because it would be great if he was a
0: Penguins fan. But I think Bill mm-hmm. Burke can still uh, get a pass from us on that, just the fact that he's supporting the game. I'm sure the players will all be heading out to Mohegan Sun Arena Casey Plaza. I know the staff all want to go and support him at that show. Mm-hmm. Um, we have, a, just in the past like five minutes or so, you've thrown out a bunch of interesting recommendations, but they haven't been formally presented in what is always our final segment of the podcast here, Drew. This is something that we like to call... Pens Picks. Okay. Pens Picks. Drew, it is at this time that I always ask my guests to give a little recommendation to the fans. Something that you've been really into lately. Something that you just can't get enough of. Obviously, movies and podcasts and television, those always seem to come up the most. But if there's anything that you can think of that just has, has engrossed you, tickled your fancy in some sort of way, you can... Give a little recommendation to the fans right now, now that we are nearing the end of your time on the Penguins podcast.
1: Okay. Um, that's a tough one. Uh, I'm trying to I am trying always put non- you on the spot. Yeah, I'm trying to think of, like, non-movie TV show. Um, I don't know. I've been getting into chess a little bit recently. Whoa! Chess shout-out. Okay. Yeah, um, Is that because
0: of the Netflix show? Or just because you kind want to prove of, how smart you are? So
1: last year I started to get into a bit uh, because of that, uh-huh. and then I fell off, um, but... It seems like a lot of guys kind of like to play it, so I'm trying to learn a little bit. I mean, I'm, I'm pretty bad right now. Who but, are there guys uh, that like to play chess? Well, I've played against P.O. a few times. Um, oh. He's kind of – we had like kind of games, kind of him telling me that I shouldn't make that move because he's going to – Oh, don't do that. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Don't do that. Exactly. <laughs> so, um, But honestly, the more I play, the more I'm starting to enjoy it. So I, I never really learned – at a younger age, but yeah, I'm picking, picking it up quick now.
0: (laughs) I'm just cracking up thinking about P.O. just like basically you don't want to do that. Yeah, exactly. Don't do that. I wonder how much of that is him like trying to coach you and how much of it is him just trying to put you in a blender.
1: I know. I'll never know because I I never win, but (laughs) (laughs) I don't think he's helping me too much.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Well, when we had P.O. on the podcast, uh, we got into it. He's a big board games guy too, Mm -hmm. and he is supposedly a monopoly savant. And me uh, I'm not buying
1: that. You're not buying that. No. Why not? I don't know. I don't think he I think I could put him in a blender if we played Monopoly. You think you could take him down. Yeah, for he sure. He was extremely
0: confident in his Monopoly skills to the point where me and him were talking about starting a spin-off podcast of just Monopoly tips. <laughs> like like how people have, like, fantasy sports, like, podcasts? Uh-huh. Nope, we're just doing Monopoly. It's not too many I Straight mean,
1: Monopoly content. <laughs> it's an untapped market. I think you'd go through everything in, like, one episode. I don't think there's that much to learn about Monopoly. I mean, it's See, pretty straightforward. No? You, now we have a completely two different
0: philosophies on Monopoly because <laughs> P.O., I bet he thinks he could fill textbooks of Monopoly information, and you're yeah. like, it's a straightforward game, buddy. Yeah,
1: I think he'd overthink it, and, I'd, you know, I'd take advantage of that.
0: I feel like we could sell tickets to this. This could be like intermission content for <laughs> a game head-to-head. The match of the century, like Queen's Gambit and Chess. But this right. time, you're confident you'll take him down? I think so, yeah. So your Pence pick is Chess. Uh, yeah,
1: I'll go with Chess, yeah.
0: And we will look forward to the Monopoly matchup between Drew O'Connor <laughs> and Pierre-Olivier Joseph. Very true. quickly, I will give a Pence pick. I'll give two Pence picks. I was only planning on one, but I'll throw in a second one here. First of which is going to be a Pence pick
1: for... Daniel Craig, you a James Bond guy? Not really, no. I mean, I've seen a couple, but not really super into it. I just whipped
0: through the entire James Bond, uh, Daniel Craig, James Bond series, leading up to being able to go see No Time to Die in theaters, Rewatching watching the first three before going to the fourth one. And having watched them all in quick succession, I can't believe that it was at any time Controversial that Daniel Craig would be cast as James Bond. There oh, were a lot of people. It?
1: I didn't know that. There were
0: a yeah. lot of people that were like, "You can't have a blonde hair, blue eyes James Bond."
1: Uh-huh.
0: He kills it. Maybe I'm showing my age here, but he is going to always be my generation's Bond.
1: Well, he's he's the one I think of when I see. When he I is think a of James Bond. Yeah, badass James Bond.
0: Uh-huh. The movies have their highs and their lows and their good points and their questionable points. Mm-hmm but he as James Bond throughout four straight movies impeccable yeah i think okay and then you see him in other stuff like knives out and now i feel like this guy only got typecast as James Bond and then you see him in knives out and it's like this dude has range uh-huh. i love daniel craig so i'm going to give daniel craig my pen's pick okay for his performance in the James Bond movies his franchise has come to an end now. You're not going to see him as Bond ever again, but uh-huh. I can't wait to see him in other stuff. Yeah. And I will also give a Pens pick to Brian Coe. For those of you who don't know, the vice president of operations here with the Wilkes-Barre Scranton Penguins. Uh, he's a glue guy. We talk about glue guys in the locker room, keeping oh, yeah. things from falling apart. He's the glue guy. He's the gorilla glue guy here uh, with the Wilkes-Barre-Scranton Penguins. And because there's a ton of meetings going on, representatives from the American Hockey League coming in for a bunch of meetings, they took our studio space, Drew, for meetings. Uh-huh. So Brian Coe says, hey, just record the podcast in my office. What a guy. That's keeping the whole thing from falling apart yeah, right there. That's right. So a Pens pick. Shout out to Brian. Shout out to Brian Coe. If you know, you know. And that'll do it for us on this episode of the Penguins podcast. Drew, I really cannot thank you enough for taking some time out of your day after practice to sit down here with me. It was great getting to know you a little bit more, give us some insight into uh, your development, how you've taken off so quickly here upon turning pro, and, hey, best of luck throughout the rest of the season. I'm sure there's many uh, more break games and big games in your future. Yeah, thank you. That was a lot of fun, so thanks for having me. Anytime, pal. I'll be sure to get a blind question from you for our next episode's guest, but that episode won't be out for another two weeks, ladies and gentlemen, so I hope you enjoyed this one. Until then, we'll see you next time here on the Pens Podcast.